Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Win, pod, repeat. Coming at you live from my bedroom here in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina. Spencer from his kitchen in scenic Washington, D.C. Spencer, uh, the Red Sox have a winning record for the first time oh, yeah, they do. since April 19th. Are in playoff position for the first time since April 19th. Oh, yeah, they are. Um, I feel like a lot of things have happened since April 19th. Uh, and now we have no... Uh, Joe managers in baseball. No Joe Girardi, no Joe Madden. R.I.P. Out, gone. Yeah. A lot has happened. Yeah. Um, I mean, we lost to the Reds since then, so that wasn't great. But since then, uh, it's been it's been all good. And, uh, yeah, Oakland was fun. Usually it's like kind of a house of horrors where weird things happen. And this time, yep. no weird things, just good things. And, uh, yeah, somehow Michael Waka pitched a complete game shutout last night. Like, what? Like, I, I, I went to bed and fell asleep, like, in the seventh inning, I think, and then woke up and I was like, yeah. holy shit, he finished the damn thing. Like, that started my day off well. Listen, yeah, and listen, like, I feel like, you know, we'll, we'll start off with this because I feel like it will lead well into talking about Michael Walker and how good he's been. Um, but listen, the Red Sox are in, are in playoff position, have a winning record. Um, in the last 25 games, or in the last 25 days, have the best record in baseball. Uh, better than the Yankees. Suck it. Uh, but yeah, you got to think. Actually. The thing, yeah. Uh, hey, listen. It's the long road. It's a long, this is why we play 162 games, all right? Everyone that's sitting there on their high horses. I mean, come on. Look at the Angels. The last time they played the Boston Red Sox, uh, won the series. We're 17-10. and 10, First place in the AL West. Now they've lost 12 in a row. Their manager's been fired. Yeah. Things change quickly in baseball, man. Huge shout out to the Angels for giving us this playoff spot. Um, you know, it's clearly yep. not something that's important to them. And, you know, it's nice of them to give it to someone who does want it and does um, actually care about making the playoffs. So um, thanks to the Angels. Yep. And, dude, they're, they're so bad right now that that blown loss in Philly – and then you get shut up by Michael Waka at home. But also kind of brutal that they had to come home and the Red Sox like got yeah. there before them. That's that's a tough yeah. fucking schedule. Yeah, because they had to come from Philly. Like that's yeah, that sucks. Yeah. You lost eleven in a row. When you're on the West Coast, you're already trying. Now the schedule's gonna fuck you. So that's tough. Yeah, it's it's not looking good. Um the Angels um are in fact the Philadelphia Phillies of the West Coast. Officially. Um yeah. and that's yeah. That's where they're, they're at. Kind so. of both in the same. But yeah, boat. I mean, yeah. Firing managers, bad stretch of play. The Phillies had just an entire month of May that was terrible. Yeah. Uh, the Angels are in the worst, tied for the worst losing streak in franchise history. Um, yeah, not not great for either of those franchises. But like you said, Angels losing, great for the Boston Red Sox and expanded playoffs. Great for the Boston Red Sox at True. the moment because it puts us in playoff position. Yeah. Um, I texted you on what Sunday and I was like, Oh, look, it's exactly like everyone predicted where all the ALEs teams are in playoff position. Yeah. Um, we're, you know, a little yeah. bit further back from everyone else, uh, the Rays and the Blue Jays, but we're in the playoffs. Doesn't matter how we're there. We're in the playoffs currently. So yeah. yeah. And like, no, we're not in the playoffs cause we like, we're higher, closer to the Yankees, and then we fell back to the fourth spot. Like, we're climbing, you know? So, 
it's yeah. uh it's got to start somewhere exactly and you know what i i have to give the props really at this moment and again this will go really well into you know talking about michael walker but to alex cora because again you have three complete games now for the boston red sox uh that's two more than any other team uh there have been six complete games in all of baseball three of them belong to the red sox um, and it is purely because Alex Cora has basically had to pivot. They opened the year by basically going, we will not let a starter face the order through three times. And now it's, no, please, for the love of God, we are not putting in our bullpen. But, it, I mean, listen, the last six games, the Boston Red Sox starting pitching has an ERA of 0.29. So if it ain't broke, you yeah. know, like don't fix it. It's- an impressive pivot, honestly, um, for a front office with advanced analytics people like Heim Bloom, who you know are obviously very familiar with the third time through penalty and basically just every penalty that that starters perform worse later in games. Um, and honestly, I give them a lot of credit for just being like, okay, yeah, we, we admit it. Our bullpen is trash and it scares us. And so we don't want to use it when we don't have to, or when we could try to avoid it. Um, you know, Bill James had that tweet today where he was like, the Red Sox finally got to the point where the third time through the order effect was, was less scary than putting their bullpen in. So yeah, I mean, it takes guts to make that kind of pivot and, so far, it's working out. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, obviously the question will be, you know, because there are going to be situations where, you know, you're not going to get <laughs> seven shutout from your starters every day. Uh, if you did, uh, listen, you you don't need a fucking bullpen then at that point. You know, the, the question for the Boston Red Sox is going to be when you face, you know, this is, this is what you should be doing, you know, against teams like the Angels who are struggling, against teams like Oakland who – are not good. Um, let your starter go long. You know, that lineup's not as scary, but, you know, for lack of a if you're facing the New York Yankees, I'd be scared if I, I my starting pitchers were seeing Aaron Judge a third time through the lineup, a guy with a 200 OPS plus right now. Um, that's going to more than likely make you pay, but in these situations, understanding that this is a better option than going with Ryan Brazier in the eighth inning, like, I, I mean, listen, I, I was pretty excited when I saw him come out for the ninth because I was sitting there going, it's a 1-0 game. I've seen this too many times. So already. many it's times June. this season it's happened where that yeah. kind of lead mm-hmm. is not held up. You know, that's what April yeah. was, you know? Yeah. Felt good to get a uh, 1-0 yeah, win exactly. for once. It was I awesome. I like that was our first one nothing win, right? Is that accurate? Yeah, well, listen. It was like the and it was like the sixth ever like one nothing complete game shutout for a Red Sox starter. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Schilling was the last one to do it back in two thousand seven. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely more impressive to get a complete game shutout when it's one nothing. You know, because um, that's yeah. a lot of pressure all game long, every inning. You know, to yeah. keep it scoreless. Yeah, I mean, listen. I'll never forget it. Games like these will always make me think, especially since he's on our team now of Rich Hill throwing that no hitter through nine against the pirates and then losing on a walk-off home run. Yeah. Like, yeah. What a brutal, brutal turn of events. Uh, One of, one of quite a few brutal turn of events for Rich Hill. 
but you know he's still pushing it yeah. 44 so it doesn't matter 40 yeah sheesh yeah old uh but yeah man listen we got to talk about michael waka because uh if you told me when we signed michael waka that he was going to have the best era among all of our starters and have an era below two after nine starts um i would have asked you what drugs you're on uh <laughs> i also wouldn't have thought that martin perez would be tearing it up in texas but that's why we love that's baseball true. Um, but we're not here to talk about Martin Perez. We're here to talk about Michael Walker. So what, what do you like? Just, you know, like I have a lot of things I'm looking at with him, but I, I mean, listen, I wasn't sure at first, but I'm liking what I'm seeing from Michael Walker. right now. Yeah. I mean, earlier in the season, um, his base level stats were definitely outperforming his peripheral stats like FIP and, and stuff like that. Now, they kind of match like his ERA. Well, actually, I mean, his ERA is still way ahead of his FIP, but the FIP's still good. It's at a three, four, zero. I was going to say um, like, yeah, or a three, seven, six, sorry. Um, and his X FIP is a little bit worse. It's at a four, two, seven. Um, but X FIP is higher than regular FIP for most pitchers these days. Like still the ball is having yeah. that effect. Um, and then you look at kind of his other stats to see, if it's sustainable, he's got a 188 batter. That's not sustainable. So that's that's going to come back. And uh, so there's definitely some negative regression coming for that. His left on base percentage is 83. That's pretty high. That's probably going to go in the other direction. Um, so, I mean, there are some red flags, certainly. And there have been all season. He's, oh, yeah. I mean, he just put up a complete game shutout. You know, he's not going to always do that. So there's obviously negative regression coming from that. But it's not like he has a FIP over five or something like that where like he's guaranteed to get destroyed um, sometime soon. So yeah. like he's been solid. He's pitched solid. His results have been way better than solid. Um, so it's probably going to come back to some degree. But I wouldn't expect him to just start oh, getting yeah. shelled. You know? No. But like the nice thing is, is, you know, obviously you have this, you know, idea of Chris Sales eventually in theory – going to come back. Uh, James Paxton potentially is somebody that can go into the rotation. Um, but it gives you another level of comfort to know that a guy like Michael Waka can go in and hold down the fort. And even when those guys come back, you know, you can take a guy like Rich Hill out of the rotation. You can maybe say, Hey, you know, I feel more comfortable sending Garrett Whitlock to the bullpen than I do Michael Waka. So maybe we send him and, you know, multi-inning reliever. Um, I think, think they probably keep Whitlock in the rotation because I think that's what they want to go to. But the idea is that it gives you the options because you have somebody like Waka where you feel comfortable with them. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it just gives you options, you know, um, yeah. especially when sales back, you know, Nate's not going anywhere. Nick Pavetta is not going anywhere, but Rich Hill, Michael Waka, Garrett Whitlock, all candidates that you could put to the bullpen. And don't you feel a lot yeah. better about your bullpen with any of those guys in there? I do. Um, So it, you know, it's building that depth that they were going for in the off season. That is, you know, looking pretty good. It's going to look a lot better when those guys are back. And the thing I love about having guys like that, that can really kind of move around like that is for, you know, you're in the dog days of July and August, you need somebody to come in for a spot start. You need, you know, pitcher gets blown up in the first. You need to go have somebody come in and, you know, eat four or five innings for you. 
you have guys that can do that now when Chris Sale and James Paxton come back. And, you know, when Chris Sale and Paxton come back, the other thing is, is they're going to be on a pitch limit to come back. So it's, you have guys that can piggyback after them, or you've got guys that can open for them. You know, it just, for, for a guy like Alex Cora, who really has had to manage without a bullpen this year, it's looking like the Red Sox, who, if they can keep winning and putting themselves in a solid position, are going to be in a better position when these guys come back, because you're going to see some of these weaknesses covered up by the depth that they're going to have in their rotation by being able to kind of bounce some of these guys out. Yeah, exactly. It's just, and the other thing is these five guys in the rotation right now, they're probably not all going to stay healthy the rest of the way. It's just the nature of pitching and rotations. So, I mean, we got really lucky in that way last year. It's probably going to come back in the direction, the other direction to some degree. I mean, you see the Padres this year who got killed by injuries last year. And now they've got like six starters they can go yeah. to who are all good. So, you know, it tends to go back in the other direction, um, you know, kind of every other yeah. year. So it's just, it's good to have options. And I was thinking today, like any of the five guys is starting on a given night. I feel pretty decent about our chances. Yeah. So the one thing I will say, the last thing I'll say on Michael Walker that I, I like that the Boston Red Sox have done, and it's not like, I won't say it's a significant change by any means, but um, if you look at his pitch usage this year, um, it's significantly down in his fastball usage. He uses his fastball about as much as he uses his changeup. It's 31.7% fastball, 31.3% changeup. It's a career low on his fastball usage, and it's a career high in his changeup. He's always used his changeup about 25 30%. but it's his best pitch. And so I just like that the Red Sox are basically like, we're going to lean into that. The changeup's your best pitch. We're going to use it as an out pitch um, for a guy. That's not going to strike out a lot of people. It generates a lot of soft contact um, average exit velocity of 83.4 miles an hour this year, a 30.7% whiff rate. Um, I mean, that's, that's great. I mean, opponents are hitting 118 against his changeup. They're actually hitting 185 against his fastball, which is great because last year they were hitting, 238 with an expected batting of 310. So it's almost like that that mix of how he's using the changeup with the fastball is is working out for him right now. Yeah. It's almost like using your best pitch is a good strategy, you know? Crazy. Yeah. Not complicated. But it's you know but listen, that's that's what I you know that's what's great about the guys in the front office for the Boston Red Sox right now, though, is identifying guys like Michael Walker and saying, hey, you know, maybe he's not the greatest pitcher in the world, but he's a pitcher that's being misused. We're going to go get him and we're going to go and use him the right way. Uh, makes me feel good about, you know, Boston Red Sox being able to develop pitching, understanding how to use these guys. It feels like it's kind of a different era for Boston instead of having to get guys that are already good, already established, finding guys like this. I mean, this is a, this is how you win championships, ultimately is you have stars, but being able to find those diamonds in the rough that are going to help get you there and help, you know, make you a competitive team with depth. That's how you, that's how you win championships. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of which, uh, Nick Pavetta, he is, uh, listen, you know, yeah, he's going to be an all-star fact. It's a known fact. Everyone knows this. I mean, that was your, that was your bold prediction. That was my bold prediction. And uh, it was off to a rough start after what, four or five starts. Um, but uh, yeah. I totally kept the faith and never doubted and, uh, you know, never said that that was um, not going to happen. Definitely didn't happen. 
Um, so yeah, put one in the win column for Spencer. Uh, another prediction coming true because um, Nick Lovett is going to be an all-star because he's never going to give up another run all season. It's going to be great. Well, listen, uh, the ballot's open today. Mm-hmm. So, so get your votes I hope in. you're at least casting your vote yep, for him. Get your votes yeah, in. go get your votes in. Hashtag, I don't know, do, do we need to come up with like a Nick for all-star hashtag? Absolutely. Like, I'll come up with it. I'll be in charge right, of well, Twitter well, accounts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You're in charge while I go see yep. Top Gun. So you got this. Uh, but listen, just to give some stats to what you've been saying, since May 7th, six starts for Nick Pavetta, 41 innings pitched. Um, he's 5-0 and in that stretch, so also winning games. Um, six earned runs total, and if you're wondering, that's a 1.32 earned run average. A FIP, you'll like this, a 2.63 FIP. So the FIP agrees that he's been excellent. Um, and opponent OPS, opponents are hitting a, uh, sorry, words, a 473 OPS against Nick Pavetta. They're hitting 153 batters. That's also average. pretty bad. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, I mean, he... He had that rough start, so as of today, he is 14th uh, in Fangraphs War in the American League. So 14th is not going to get you an All-Star bid, but you know you get up to eight, maybe seventh, sixth, and you're probably going to get an All-Star invitation, and that's you know not that far away. Regardless of whether he actually gets an All-Star appearance or not, uh, he has become the best and most reliable starter um, on this team, and I mean that's you know, all you can ask for is for Nick Pavetta to, you know, a guy that you might think is your five starter or four starter coming into the season. And he's been your one so far. So, um, yeah, big things from Nick Pavetta. He's leading the staff and, uh, you know, putting us in a position of having a, a very deep rotation, you know? Yeah. So listen, he's not going to pitch in this angel series. I'm looking when he's due to pitch again. I believe it's on the ninth. He should pitch in the angel series. Uh, against. Yeah, he yeah. is. Sorry. He's pitching the finale of the angel series on Thursday. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Give me, give me that a struggling angels team for Nick. Pavetta. Yep. Um, Cause I don't know if you've seen like Shohei's numbers during this losing streak have been brutal. They showed it on the Nesson broadcast last night. He's hitting like below the Mendoza line. Yeah. That's what I was thinking watching the game last night is like, there's not been much Shohei hype lately. Um, and no. that'll happen when your team loses 12 games in a row, but um, yeah, you know, haven't heard much about Shohei lately. Okay. So realistically, all right. How many, so, Ballpark. What do we? How many? So we're June seventh now. So we're about five or six weeks until the All Star game, right? The nineteenth, I believe, is the All Star mm-hmm. game. So we're about six weeks from the All Star yep. game. So how many starts does that give Pavetta? Like six more starts, five more starts? Mm, yeah, six or seven, probably. Yeah. So all right. So realistically, let's say he gets seven starts left. How many runs can he give up in that span for you to consider him an all-star? Um, let's say he goes be? six innings per, so that's like another 42 innings. Um, yeah. He has to probably give up like two runs or less per start. So that's a tall order, but that's basically what he's been doing lately. So, you know. That's basically what you, you probably have to do. So, love to see it. Hold on. 
I'll be right back. I walked uh, well out of the apartment. Wow. <laughs> Woo. So while Sam's away, um, Sam's a bitch, and he uh, is just not dedicated to the podcast. So um, we all know at this point who is, um, you know, committed to this podcast and um, is, is here for you listeners out there. It's, it's me. It's Spencer. It's not Sam. Clearly. <laughs> Listen, I locked. There's two locks. For some reason, they have a lock that only locks from the inside, and I locked the wrong one. Idiot. <laughs> it's fine. We were quick. And wait. We had we're just here. enough All time right. for me to slam you. That listen. That's exactly what I expected would happen. So I'll own it. That's fine. Um, you're still not right, by the way. Nick Pavetta has not made the All Star game yet, it's so happened. you can't say you're correct yet. In the books. That's my my books. last note on that. Listen, uh, I think it is only June 7th, so I, I think you forget that we have a month until the All-Star game. <laughs> I just wanted to yep. make sure. I just wanted mm-hmm. to make sure. So, But more importantly, we've talked about the pitchers. We've talked about Michael Waka and Nick Pavetta, who have both been great. Um, but as a result of this Boston rotation, that's been great. Uh, Red Sox offense that's been scoring almost six runs per game since early May. Uh, the Red Sox are in playoff position and have a winning record. So, obviously, this has been the the discussion. Now that now that the Red Sox are in playoff position, the you know Xander Bogarts trade talk has finally gone away. Thankfully. Thank God, uh, wasn't going to happen anyway because the fan base would literally riot. Um, but now the conversation is okay. You're seeing. This this stretch of 25 games for the Red Sox, you're seeing what this team can do when they're firing on all cylinders. And this is without really a bullpen, which you would assume, you know, they're going to go get help for or when we've talked about it, when pitchers come back. But let, for the for the sake of the debate, let's talk about this team right now in this moment. They are, in fact, a playoff team, but do you consider them a true contender? at this point, a team that can go win the championship? Um, yes, because this offense can get on a run, as we've seen, and they can do it at any time. And if it happens in October, then they can go to the World Series. Um, they're going to have to get some bullpen arms at the deadline. That's clear and obvious. Uh, you know, Like we said, they'll hopefully shift some guys currently in the rotation there, but you need a couple more bullpen arms for sure. Um, and then you look at the competition and I don't see the Rays or the Blue Jays as being clearly better than this Red Sox team at the moment. Uh, we thought the Blue Jays would look clearly better, but they don't. And the Rays are just kind of still the Rays where they're good and you respect them, but you're not scared of them. Um, yeah. And then like what right now we would play the twins in the AL wild card. Are we ever scared of the twins in the playoffs? We're sure not. Nobody's nobody's sure scared not. of the Twins in the playoffs. So that leaves us with the Yankees and the Astros, and that's kind of always been the the gateway to the World Series the last couple of yeah. years. And when we play the Yankees, we get past them and we go to the World Series or we go to the ALCS to face the Astros. Um, and then the Astros, you know, have beaten us a couple of times and we beat them once. So that's you know what it's been the last few years. And I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if that happens again. Clearly, like, I mean. Right now, again, the Yankees rotation has been – Yankees pitching has been unbelievable, but 
from a putting the numbers and the stats aside purely from a feel perspective until you see Garrett Cole win that big game I, the Yankees don't scare me in a postseason because absolutely none of those guys have proven they can win the big game they can win as many and games as they it, want in the regular season it doesn't matter yeah they're on pace for 117 won't matter if you can't because because listen I mean out of all sports, when you get to the postseason in baseball, records effectively go out the window. I mean, Absolutely. the Red Sox almost made the World Series last year, and they were also one game from missing the playoffs yep. last year. And the Braves won it the World just, Series. It doesn't. You know? And they were wild card. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. It doesn't. Exactly. It doesn't matter. And um, actually, yeah. they weren't a wild card team. I take that back. But anyway, you know what I mean. But they were they were a sub five hundred team going into the All Star right. break. They were a team that wasn't great start the year, finish strong. And like you said, the Boston Red Sox are a team that can make that level, that type of run because of the amount of talent they have. I mean, that was that was the thing with the Braves. Is the Braves weren't performing to what the Braves were until they got into the postseason and they proved they could go on a run. And they proved it by going and beating the Dodgers. They proved it by going and beating the Astros. You know, And if you believe that you have the talent in your roster to go up against those guys, when you're building a roster, that's what you're trying to do. Like Ultimately, like you know, you want to try and win the championship, but sometimes, it, you know, in a best of seven in baseball, you're just trying to get yourself there. And that's what teams like the Dodgers and the Astros and the Red Sox have done in the past, you know, five to 10 years that have made them perennial contenders. Absolutely. Yeah. That sums it up. But yeah. So, yeah. And, and listen, I agree with you. I mean, there's no doubt. De- there's, who was it? Lou, Lou Maloney. Right? I don't know how to say his last uh, name. That's his Lou name. Maloney? Yeah. yeah. No, you sure. got it. Cool. Nailed it. I don't know why I thought it was wrong. I've only read it on Twitter. But he was talking about how he doesn't think this team is a championship contender yet. And the only argument that you have is the bullpen and the slow start. But I just I, – I think it's a pretty weak argument if you ask me. I just think if you're looking at what the expectations were going in, what this lineup is now um, – I, I mean, I would feel confident. If the playoffs started today, I would feel confident. Yeah, I mean, the the whole team started off shit, right? The lineup, the starters, the bullpen, all yeah. of it was shit. And yeah, so the, the offense came alive, and then the starters have locked it in lately. And so the only thing left yeah. is the bullpen. And bullpen, even as is, like, we agree that we need more bullpen guys and better bullpen guys. But even as yeah. currently constructed, it's not crazy if the current group goes on a run and has like a great month or two that happens. That's baseball. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, if that's your weakness, I'm still going to say that this team can play with anybody. Yeah. And listen, the thing with being a good baseball team and making a run and being successful in major league baseball, actually really in, in most sports is the ability to adjust. Like, do you, I mean, do you think the New England Patriots are running the same playbook in week one that they're running in week 17? No, they're adjusting to what they see, the guys that they have playing to their strengths, playing the weakness of other teams. Like for Boston, I think the, the mood on the bullpen going into the season was so much higher. And then you get out there and you move Whitlock into the rotation and you're like, holy shit, I don't have faith in any of these guys. I mean, even after the Sunday night game, Against the Yankees to open the year, Jake Deakman gets the save, and you're like, Jake Deakman's the closer. Let's go. 
I would not put Jake Diekman anywhere near the ninth inning because that man, there's a 50% chance he's just going to forget how to throw strikes. Yeah. Matt Barnes, no faith of him going in, but absolutely zero faith now. We've got another point where uh, our late inning guys are John Shriver and Tyler Danish. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's a tough look when those guys were like completely off the radar, off the roster. Just like triple A yeah. scrubs to start the season, then those guys are yep. late ending guys now. Yeah. Um, because Hansel yeah. Robles is dead, and Matt Barnes is dead, and Garrett Willock's in the rotation. So, you know. Yeah. So, oh. but that's the thing. So, but yeah, the other interesting thing that I want to ask you about, because this is something I thought about since the Red Sox are currently sitting in this third and final wildcard spot, is like if the playoffs hadn't expanded. Like you, the Red Sox would still be what, like four and a half, five games behind the the Rays and the yep, Jays, right? Exactly. Now. Uh, which is a totally different mindset than being like we're in the playoffs. Uh, I think that changes your whole mood. So I just want your initial thoughts. I have my initial thoughts on the expanded playoff because, like, obviously it gives teams that maybe you know weren't like at this point in the year were already uncompetitive a chance to be like, hey, man, you know we put together a stretch of, you know, 20 really good games and we could be in the running. Yeah. I mean, I didn't want the playoffs to be expanded. Um, I'm still not like in favor of expanded playoffs. I like a shorter, smaller playoff field. Um, Cause I want the playoffs to mean something and I want the regular season to mean something. Um, but that said, in terms of this current team, yes, being in a playoff spot right now makes me feel better about them. Either way, they've been playing great lately. Either way, I feel confident that they can contend and gain more games on the Blue Jays in the race because they're going to play them a bunch, you know, yeah. in the next couple of months. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I still don't love the concept, but right now it's benefiting us. So, like, happy we're in the playoff seed currently, you know? Yeah. Not to not to be like a stats guy and say, you know, I need a sample size, but to me it really depends on like like this is this is how I'm thinking about it. Like I think it's great in the American League right now because the Red Sox are a good team. They're a team that you want to see in the playoffs. So giving them a spot is beneficial to baseball. It's beneficial to the Red Sox, who are a good team that just had a slow start. Um last year, I think it would have been great. I think that Seattle Mariners team I don't think they were spectacular, but they were a fun team to watch. I think it would have been fun if they had, you know, they, they slide in, they get that first playoff appearance in so long. Um, and it could have been interesting to see if they did anything or not. The problem is, is that you're probably going to hit years where a team slides in in that last spot that you're like, God, they just fucking suck. Like they have no business being there. There's going to be a year where like the national league or the American league is just so much better than the national league or the other league. And so you're going to have a team that rolls in and you're going to be like, shit. And that's going to be the times where like, cause that's the problem with the expanded playoff. It's fun when you have a lot of teams and there's a lot of parody and it's very competitive. Um, but obviously like, I mean, there are years in the NBA where, you know, whoever gets in at the eight seeds barely above 500. And you basically know that it's just a loss. It's going to be a sweep. Like it's not, you know, there's absolutely zero to none, chance of an upset yeah. it i mean if we end up with you know 90 wins 88 wins and we yeah. get and, and we're still in the third spot and we get in you know then yeah. it's gonna be 
you know, we're going to look at it as positive. Um, if yeah. we finish with 90 wins and the Blue Jays finish with 88 wins and the Rays finish with 83 wins and still make the playoffs, it's going to be like, oh, well, they didn't, they didn't have nearly as good a season and they still made it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's our opinion of it is probably going to boil down to how it impacts the Sox this, this year. Um, Absolutely. And that's how a lot of fans are going to feel. And about some it. years it's going to be good because there are going to be three teams that finish close to 90 wins. Uh, and like you said, some yeah. years it's going to be a team that's not as good making it. And that, that was still somewhat the case with the two wild cards. You know, that happens sometimes. It's just a little more amplified now, but, you know, yeah, is what it is. So, but yeah, you know, listen, you know, I feel like it's very arbitrary. This is like initial reactions at this point. So like you said, obviously we're going to be all for it because the Red Sox are in playoff position. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting because like, obviously, um, you know, that you, you don't almost don't think about it. You only think about in perspective of are you in or are you out? And so being like, oh, well, shit. Like if this had been any other year, the Red Sox wouldn't be a playoff team. But like you said, you know, it's, it's good because there are going to be teams that don't usually get in that are going to be able to get in. But like you said, it's going to be tough because when you feel like you need it to mean something and you're almost giving half the league a chance to go play in the postseason, it doesn't feel as meaningful. Like when you're playing 162 games and you're playing almost every day, it makes it feel like, you know, as a fan, like, why am I watching it? Exactly. You know, especially because like maybe, you know, maybe your team's so far up in the division, it really doesn't fucking yeah. matter. Like, you know, maybe you drop down to the first wild card, but it, it, and the difference is too, is like the wild card was so scary because you had to go play a one game playoff. Like nobody wanted to be the wild right. card. Like you wanted to be the wild card if you were just fighting to get in. But if you were the, like the Dodgers last year, losing out to the Giants and you have to go play a one game playoff against the Cardinals who like were red hot going in. They had that 17 game winning streak. Yeah. Like that's where it makes it interesting. That's where it's like, Oh shit. Um, and even now, you know, you're going to get what three game series now. Yeah, I mean, so you get um, to lose one game, you know, if you lost yeah. one game before you so were out, if you lose one game now, you get one more chance essentially, you know? Yeah. So, which, you know, still provides injury because it's baseball. So, like, you know, there's the whole concept of, you know, your pitcher has a bad start. You know, Garrett Cole blows up. You know, you, you're you shit. We got to win out now. Yeah. Um, as long as they so. don't expand it further. Just stop it here. We don't need yes. more, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You got you to gotta draw the line in the sand because, you know, it's the whole idea of, oh, you know, competitive balance. We want to, you know, keep more fans invested longer. And it's like, yeah, but then you're going to – you know, it's like you said, it's the balance of nobody's going to care until October if every team basically gets right. in. You know, if your team's dog shit, you're not going to watch. But if your team's, you know, great, you're like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'll watch, like, a marquee game, but, like, I'm not going to watch us play the Angels on the West Coast because who the fuck cares? Yeah, it's like being a Celtics you know, not fan and not to... watching until the playoffs started, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, it doesn't matter. Wednesday, game game three, we're locked in. Go Seas. Let's go. Let's go. go. So, all right, one last topic, and then I'm going to go see Top Gun. Uh, Chris Sale, news, they said he will hopefully, this was the direct quote, hopefully will throw to live hitters on Friday, um, which indicates that a Chris Sale return is finally, I won't say on the horizon because it's going to be at least another month, but you're starting to see him progress towards a rehab start. Um, How much more dangerous 
is this Boston Red Sox team having a guy like Chris Sale back, even, you know, injury prone Chris Sale at this point. Um, and when you get him and Paxton back, what do you what are you doing with the rotation? Right? That's I think that's the interesting question. The more interesting question is, you know, how does that rotation shape up? You know, I mean, you don't know what you're going to get from Chris Allen, James Paxton, but just spitball. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I'm not going to put any bets on James Paxton's health. Um, he may come back. He might not. Fair. Uh, I'm not going to bet on him. But Chris Sale, I will put some stock into. I mean, his injury this year was kind of a freak thing. So I'm not going to label him like injury prone from that. Um, you know, they, they usually handle him with kid gloves and they are, you know, doing that again here hopefully you know like you said in a month he's back and you know he's better than rich hill and he's more reliable than michael waka or whitlock at this point so he's at least your third best starter hopefully and like we talked about earlier it kicks other guys to the bullpen hopefully rich hill or waka even like i he threw a complete game shutout that's awesome but i don't necessarily still trust that he's going to be that good going forward we we talked about the things that are that are, are kind of sketchy for negative regression coming for him. So, yeah, I mean, it hopefully negates the need to go out and get another starter at the deadline. But right now, would you get another starter at the deadline? Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, you know, you have to see a little bit more from, from Rich Hill and Michael Waka, but uh, hopefully it allows you to keep some gunpowder in the chest and get some relievers, and hopefully that's it. Yeah. Well, exactly. And you know, you know how this, I mean, I, I like the way that this organization operates in the sense that they're never going to, they're never going to go and be like, we're going to give up our top prospects. You know, none of those guys, the Nick Yorks, the the Brian Bellows, none of those guys are getting moved, Uh, which is good because, you know, I think, you know, you're thinking about what you're getting, you know, the, the opportunity cost of, okay, you know, we're getting this guy right now, but we're losing potentially, you know, five or six years of a really you know, impactful starter and impactful bat. Um, seeing like the trade that they went and got Kyle Schwarber last year, those are the moves that I would like to see come the trade deadline. Yep. You know, go trade away a, you know, your 17th or 18th prospect to go get a bullpen guy that, you know, isn't going to go trade get a guy like Alonso Robles who ended up being, <laughs> yeah. Oh, listen, I'm, I'm about that. And there's definitely a team somewhere I feel like a you know a, a team that's trying to rebuild that's going to take a chance on a guy like Jeter Absolutely Downs and is going to be willing to give up a guy on an expiring contract. Like, what do you have to lose for a guy that you know could potentially have a lot more upside than some of the other dudes you're going to be able to yep. get? And for the Red Sox, they don't like they have so many guys in that system. You don't necessarily need Jeter. No, you definitely don't. Like he's, I mean, you have Mayer and you have York. That's going to be your middle infield of the future. Yeah, I mean, his... You have Tristan Cassis at first base. He would be like a utility infielder. Like, that would be his ceiling yeah. in this organization. Exactly. You know, so... Yeah. So... But, yeah. So, I mean, listen, we're... We are... It's amazing that it's June. It's amazing that we're actually approaching trade deadline. It is crazy. Um, we, still, we still have a little bit of time. I'm not going to get too excited. But, um, listen, this is... Uh, this is the first podcast we've done in a while where we can end and say the Red Sox have a winning record. Hell yeah. Um, as we're recording this June 7th, they're getting ready to play the angels. Uh, Spencer will be out on Twitter. I'll be watching top gun uh, for the second and time. We'll switch roles great. Tomorrow. So if you haven't seen it, 
Absolutely. That listen, that's a okay. So, so top gun, did I team effort? Did I overhype it, underhype it, or hype it enough? Just enough. Just enough. Listen, the best the best movie the best movie hype you gave me all all year, all season, we'll say, yep. was for everything everything everywhere all, all right. at once because you were just like you have to just go see it. And you're sitting there going like, okay, what the <laughs> fuck? And then you saw that and it just like blew my mind. Um, but yes, uh, listen, you told me you thought it was one of the greatest movies you had ever yeah. seen. Um, and it did. And listen, when you say that, because, you know, you're sitting here watching Obi-Wan Kenobi and poking holes in it. And I'm just here for the lightsaber <laughs> battles. Uh, I was like, okay. Well, I was like, Spencer said this is one of the greatest movies ever. I have to go see yeah. it. Well, but then there's also the fact that, like, I haven't trusted Disney since The Last Jedi, so um, I kind of poke holes in everything they do now. Yeah, listen, that's I, it's totally understandable. So, but listen, on that note, it's it's 8.18. I got to go. We got we got 10 minutes until I got to make this All movie. Right. I mean, we got trailers. It's you fun. got it. But listen, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Win pod repeat. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, watch the Red Sox. Tweet at us. Um... And yeah, well, go go socks, baby. We'll catch and you next go week. Go seas. Go seas. That's right.